Let's get chilly. Welcome back to Let's Chill, the official unofficial Minnesota Windchill, Minnesota Strike podcast. I'm Jeff. I'm Jay. And I'm Kane. And we are recapping our first official season as a podcast. Uh, just to start off, we of course want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's ever listened to this this podcast. Thank you to anyone who's liked the post, who's read an article, anything like that. It's been fun, fun trying this out. We can't wait for next season. But of course, we're still recapping the 2023 season, uh, specifically for the wind chill. Uh, let's start with some Saul Sevens. Um, I have one that's not directly related to the wind chiller strike. It's technically related, but I'm going to pass off to Jay and Kane first. All right, I'll go first. This is for either of you. Um, this year, Minnesota had a lot of interesting players. One of them, who is a rookie, uh, has the is tied for first with assists. Can you name the two players who are tied for first with assists? On uh, the windchill? On the windchill. Sam Berglund, Will Brandt. Oh, that's a Will Brandt. Okay, so Sam Berglund and Josh Klain? Yeah. Nice. Dang, Will I thought, maybe, had I thought maybe towards the end of the season there, Will Brandt kind of kind of came in because I know he really turned on the Jets like halfway yeah. through. So I thought, you know, yeah, that's crazy. That's awesome. Will Brandt was there for as many games as Klain and Berglund. I think he had two less than both of them. Um, Maybe more oh, than that's... maybe. I was going to say, I thought he only played like five regular season games. I don't remember off the top of my head. I'm, not, I'm not positive. Yeah, but nice. Cool. cool. Um, So right up here, I now have a new addition to the setup, which is a disc that is signed by the 2023 Minnesota but a wind show, except for one player, Jeff, who on the team did not sign that disc. Um, I know you were out, you were slinging signatures on Saturday night, uh, championship game. Um, uh, was there anyone who like wasn't there? I'm trying to think. I know I have seven seconds, we never do that. Uh, there had to have been someone who wasn't there. Everyone comes to mind, and I know everyone was there. I'm gonna say. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, okay. This is a bad. I know. I'm sorry. Was it someone who like played in Championship Weekend? Okay, mm-hmm. so it's not like a uh, like a nope, not some random practice person. player. Um, you know what? I'm gonna say uh, Colin Barry, Michael Jordan. Oh, he didn't get the one and only Michael Jordan to sign his right? disc. Would have been great. <laughs> All right. Actually, now that you My, it, I don't think Michael or Colin Barry signed it. Hang on. Hang on. Gotta check. <laughs> Guys, I don't think Colin Barry signed it. Okay, so I got that one right. <laughs> All right. So two players. Jay, name the other player. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jordan. Um All right, well, Michael Jordan and Colin Barry, you gotta come sign Kane's disc at some point. Get on the pod. Get on the pod. I haven't haven't had one of those in a while. Wow. All right, uh, okay, my my stall seven, like I said, is not directly related to the Wichita strike, but it is related. Uh, what club team this past weekend won the pro championships? Dragon Anyone? Thrust. Yeah, for the mixed division. Heck yeah, man. Uh, and of course, that is like... The ultimate combination of like the best windshield players and the best strike players mixed in with a couple other very strong players who aren't necessarily part of either of those teams, but it's a dream team right there. So, is no surprise. Their second consecutive year as well. Yep. I believe and so. They, I and think they won it last year too. 
and they were ranked last. They were, I think, they were literally last seed in that they tournament. Were the underdogs for sure. Yeah. So That's pretty sweet. I, show. Like, yeah, I don't know. You love to see it, and like, it's it's really cool. And now this is a good transition. Like, it's really cool to see how the windshield and the strike. And someone else had tweeted this, and I'm sorry if you're listening. I'm not giving you credit. Someone else has tweeted this that. The Minnesota Winchell and Strike both made it to championship weekend this year. And like that's just an incredible representation of Minnesota Ultimate and just the talent that is in this state. Um, and again, like we haven't even had to work for like like we as a, a podcast, like got rewarded right away in our first year of doing this. Like, wow, we get to cover some of the best iterations of these two teams. And our job has been really easy this year. We just get to sit here every every week and be like, rah, 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 look how good they are. But it's been pretty cool to to be able to through the end of our first year and cheered them on from the sidelines. I agree. I think it was really funny to me that like, I, I was re-listening to the podcast right after the strike lost that game. And I remember being like, so disappointed because like, okay, the Minnesota team was so good. And then I remember like the, the very next day or the same podcast, I was like, you know what? A Minnesota team got the championship weekend and then the windshield did it. And so I think it's fitting that both of those windshield and strike teams got knocked out and then Dragon Thrust is the one that wins. I feel like that's pretty yeah. poetic. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, I agree. It's been a really unique season to follow both teams. I feel like that this was special. Yeah. So, man, that, that is very cool about Dragon Thrust, uh, just combining those two and kind of getting their own little redemption. Uh, do you want to talk about championship weekend uh AUDL championship weekend because we were all actually there like that was we let, we could talk about the games in a little bit but first i want to start with like the vibes and just like the experience of being in the stands for the windshield and then even the experience of saturday night when the the windshield were kind of with us in the stands like what an experience it was to be right behind the windshield screaming our heads off like we we had headaches we were literally like about to throw up on the side of the road on the way home just because we were so sick afterwards and maybe a little overheated but it was bad all i had to drink that day was like mountain dew and i had some fries i think to eat and it all it all hit me at once i was like all right (laughs) but no that was just a really good experience i think part of it's just the venue was perfect for it i mean it was really accessible it felt like and it was I guess different in the sense that like it's a professional sports venue as opposed to the college stadium that they usually play at. And that was just awesome to me. I think that really added to like the whole like sports fan atmosphere and just, I think kind of funneled the energy, if that makes sense, just gave it a better platform. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it definitely filled in, especially for the windshield game. Like I, Ben, Ben Feldman and I are talking the day after, uh, no big deal. Casually. We're just, sitting hanging out watching uh the uh youth clinic which is fun and he was just kind of uh ballparking some numbers and he said in madison they they hit about maybe 1800 uh fans at the peak of championship weekend last year and he ballparked he thinks uh ticket sales touched like 2200 uh for friday night alone um, which was that's that's incredible like about 400 more people doesn't necessarily sound like a lot off the bat but but from a numbers perspective, Ben Ben Feldman was like, "Yep, this is a huge success. The league is happy. He was happy. People showed up. That was really cool." Yeah, yeah. I don't know who said it on. It was, I believe it was a shred player who said 
like the game when Minnesota fans and like the whole, it felt like the whole crowd was cheering for Minnesota that night. Um, he said like, I'd rather have, you know, 3000 fans cheering against me than an empty stadium. He said that in player chatter, uh, go yep. check out that article. Um, and I thought that was really cool because it, it, it was awesome for us, but also the players recognized it. I know Mattis had said like walking out to the benches and just hearing the, you know, the fans cheer on the windchill as they walked out after that Austin empire game. So it was nice to, you know, the players also recognize, man, having a lot of fans watching us is also really cool. Yeah, I felt like this uh, immense pride, which like uh, maybe sounds bad, was kind of unexpected. Like I, I was really excited for this team, you know, like I don't get me wrong. I, I showed up. I've been a fan for a couple of years now, but like there was something about seeing them and it was not this big entrance. It wasn't this big like. And now introducing your wind chill. Like they were just like literally walking onto the field and like all these players are still on the field getting off and clean up the field from the previous game. And it was just like, there they are. Like we've been here day in, day out with them. Again, not not for 10, not for 10 years, not for as long or as rigorous as what they've been doing. But like there's that that recognition, that mutual respect, like, hey, we're right here with you guys. And I don't know. It's cool that cool to hear that the fans really did make a difference. Um you could tell that there were moments where they rode that momentum and like, you know, we maybe we're just patting ourselves on the back, but it felt like there were some times where they kind of did kind of pick themselves up and like, yeah, let's push through. And, and they, they did. They definitely did. Yeah. Fun. Very fun experience as a fan and as someone who's like following the team to, you know, write articles, make podcasts and stuff like that. You know, like you said, I think just the, the sense of pride from that was a really good way to, not only end the windchill season, but end our season to like, I don't know, like, like you said, it was a sense of pride. And I feel like how we handed out signs in the crowd and everything like that just kind of brought this community together a little more. And I think that's awesome. So. Yeah, that's the thing. Like it really has felt like a community and, and uh, I kind of lost my train of thought, but like even just the vibe from the players the day after like and i've i've written this specific language in a couple of my articles i think at least three articles the preview article and then two post uh like recap articles one for windshield talk or whatever doesn't matter but the language i've been using is that this this season was by no means a failure right like this was a very successful season and i think the players agree uh i know a couple of players, like I'll name drop a couple, like Josh Klein specifically had said this. Um, and I want to say maybe, I, I guess I can't think of Josh Klein right now, but he said that like, honestly, they were not super bummed not having made it to championship game because with all due respect to the Salt Lake Shred, with all due respect to the Minnesota Windchill, the, the outcome would have been the exact same. Right. And like how heartbreaking would that have been and how anticlimactic, especially after that incredibly first game like incredible first game against the shred and then to just like hoop out the next day like no like probably no amount of fans could have changed the tides of that game against the empire so like to go out on that note i don't think any player i mean obviously they were disappointed they didn't win but i don't think any player was like nope what a wasted season what a wasted effort this just sucks now you know right yeah that that's not like new york game should we should we get into that now or should we let's let's do it? Uh can I just throw out something or do you go ahead, Ken? No, go for it. Go for it. I what I've learned is that the name of the game isn't so much skill as it is endurance. I think, and Jay, Jay had said this, I'll credit Jay. The New York Empire don't necessarily win based on skill. They have skill, 
they win because they're way better trained. I think they have way better endurance. And even, even just the um, oxygen cans are just a great visual representation of what they do to take care of their bodies to outrun and outlast their opponents. I mean, I'll, I'll stop there and let you guys get a word in. Um, no, I... I was just saying with, with oxygen cans going off of that, as someone who you know does a little bit of medicine, um, the air that you breathe is 21% oxygen. Those cans give you 100% oxygen. Um, your muscles need oxygen. If you don't have oxygen in your muscles, they get sore. So muscle soreness is literally oxygen deprivation in your muscles. So being able to just pump oxygen into your muscles is a really easy way to not get sore. That's basically what those oxygen cans are doing. So not only are they extremely well-trained, but they're also just like smart having those. They're not going to get sore as quickly. And you could tell on the field, they weren't getting tired. Yeah. And I think we're also part of that with like why that game was so boring. And Dylan O'Clerk basically said like, we played so intense that game. He's like, I don't know if I could have even played today. And I was like, makes sense. You know, you're running around. Everyone on the Minnesota windshield team is on the sidelines, cramping up and stuff. I think Salt Lake really did like overextend themselves. Uh, I was talking to uh, Kelsey Percy, and she had mentioned that Salt Lake, like they pushed Salt Lake shred guys because as tired as Minnesota guys were today, they were just as tired as well. And so, yeah, like you said, it would have been the same outcome. I think they knew that. I think they knew that the game they played against Salt Lake was possibly the best game they've ever played ever. Mm-hmm. And it's all they could have done. And that's that's good enough, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I, I think the entire coaching staff and, and Josh Klain, because he joined Ben and I up at the youth clinic. So that conversation sticks out to me. They said more or less the same thing, that they're actually really proud of and at that point they hadn't played the championship game but they're they're very proud to push salt lake as far as they did because yeah like look at later that night like salt lake was also just gassed um and so that's like a really cool showing of look how hard we made them work uh yeah so that's that's a big point of pride i think that um Jeez, I'm like losing my thoughts today, but I don't really have a lot to add immediately. <laughs> Somebody pick it up. There's not a whole lot to say about that game. It's... Yeah, I have two things immediately that I want to say before any haters or any doubters come and say anything. Um, the Salt Lake Shred Minister Winchell game was not sloppy. Uh, and a lot of people are saying it was sloppy at the Salt Lake. We're playing sloppy. Um, they did fall for a couple of snake in the grasses, which was which was kind of funny. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, when Minnesota can pull it off, it's awesome. But um, Minnesota had like, like two-thirds of all of Salt Lake's turnovers were blocks by Minnesota, and two of the non-blocks from Minnesota were like hucks that they threw at the like, end of quarter situations. They're just like, hey, get this up, and they didn't make two of them. Like, it, it wasn't like they had four turnovers that were on force, which is right. very low. Like, uh, Salt Lake had like 10 blocks. Like Salt Lake got to that level of game because they had one of the like best, most efficient offenses. Offenses like it's not like they got to championship weekend and all of a sudden just like forgot how to play frisbee. Like, Absolutely, yeah. it was not a yeah. sloppy game. A lot of people were saying it was kind of Salt Lake was playing kind of sloppily. Um, and then secondly, I'll, I'll say this: um, Minnesota didn't take Salt Lake to overtime. Salt Lake took Minnesota to overtime. Uh, yes. Minnesota had a lead for most of that game. Minnesota was, I mean ahead when salt lake took them to overtime um so i get what people saying like oh everyone favored salt lake so minnesota took them to overtime but in that game if you go back and watch it 
Minnesota was winning that game. Salt Lake worked harder and took them to overtime. They put in the yeah. work. So I I agree. I so yeah, I I always have this this thought in my mind of like Salt like Minnesota had to face Salt Lake, and that's a really intimidating matchup. But again, the other way works just as well. Salt Lake had to face Minnesota. And they did. Like that was a matchup that they had to prepare for as much as Minnesota had to had to prepare for the shred, you know? Like and like you said, Jay, the shred had to had to fight that out to get into overtime. And even in overtime, like they let up right away. They let up and, and gave up a break point right away in overtime. Um and then again, like on the other side of that, Minnesota had a, a break point lead going into overtime and they gave it up. Like you know, so, but to to kind of plus one you and almost like devil's advocate, I think Salt Lake almost was playing sloppy, but because of Minnesota, not because they're having a sloppy bad game, but Minnesota forced them to throw like a hundred more throws. I'd actually love to look up the stats of how many throws on average Salt Lake shred throw in a game and then how many they threw against Minnesota. Cause that was something that was a point of pride of, of Ben's that night was that they made Salt Lake throw a ton and jordan kerr still had a plus minus of 10 like jordan kerr still did jordan kerr things right. you know it's not it's not like oh he's out of the game now salt lake loses like he still did an incredible he had an incredible performance and minnesota still went blow for blow with them and yeah led most of the game yeah and shout out, shout out the salt lake guys who they knew not to count minnesota out like they literally were like hey guys don't like we're we're taking this game seriously because we have to, and they, they did, and I think that's awesome to see that. So yeah, Salt Lake game that was awesome. I feel like that was a good, it was a really good competition. I don't think it got like ugly even. I mean, you know, it's semifinals game, so it got like intense and it got very competitive. But I don't think it ever got like too much, and that's really cool. Yeah, um, I think if I think if the Shredded and Winchell play again it would really feel like a fun rematch, not like a, we need something, we need to right. destroy you We gotta, we gotta you get now. this one this time. Like, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think that was cool. Same way that if Minnesota and Austin ever play. Okay. Dude, one second. Austin, Shout out Austin. Soul, and the Minnesota Windchill were best friends. Let's go. Now. Shout out Austin. Yep. Shout out okay. the Austin team owner who took my hat, bro. He took my hat. He, I don't he know He literally name. took Kane's hat I don't and did not give it back. Is, but it's the right, first right. thing that looks to me. Kane gave him his hat. Let's no, let's not. I, I, he's like, oh, I need a Minnesota hat. And like jokingly, so, I was like, okay, you know, take this off. I would laugh. Wait, wait, wait. It. Start start from the beginning of the story though. How I we were we were getting ready for the Soul Empire game, the semifinal. And we were right on the fence like normal. And I just shouted out, like, hey, go soul. Cause like, you know, screw the Empire. And and the owner was like, hang on just a second and ran over and gave me the uh a hat and a couple of the koozies that i just showed on camera and we're like dude that's that's pretty awesome and so like for the whole game we got we got a free j-rad shirt like we got we were we were soul fans uh big time yes so we still are so then after they lost against the empire then he came up to the stands and was like He's like, wait, well, like the you guys have a windchill hat for me or whatever. <laughs> and then and then, then Kane just gave him my hat. I, I thought it was gonna be one of those, like, oh, you know, he puts the hat on. I had the soul hat at that point. I was like, you know, maybe we'll get a picture and laugh about it. 
I turned around to like say something to to one of you guys. And by the time I turned back, like less than 30 seconds later, just gone. He was He's gone. gone. <laughs> he just left. Which and like, also, it wasn't like a clean hat. Like this is no. a hat I've had for like three years. It was nasty. Guys. You wear it every day. Yeah. So to the sole owner, if you're listening, I don't, I can almost guarantee you, you're not. Bro, we'll get you a new hat. Like we respect you. Contact us. We'll get you a free clean hat. In fact, How about this? Because Ben gave us a new clean hat. For Kane, you you managed to get a game between an interdivisional game between uh, Austin and Minnesota for the 2024 season. We'll give you mm-hmm. a hat. Absolutely, fans, <laughs> tweet him. Let's do X it. Him. We'll do we'll do instead of a jersey swap like a hat swap, and we'll wear a wear a wear a soul hat. He'll wear the Witchell hat for the game. Yeah, let's do it. Let's make it happen. We're just goofing off right now. We're making more. <laughs> All right, but anyway. Anyway, so Let's get to some awards. Yeah. Um, well, okay. I just, just to touch really quick on the rest of the windchill season, specifically their game against the shred. Like, because I don't want to not not acknowledge it. There were some points where it felt like we're totally big, like high changers of the game. And like obviously the, the biggest one, most obvious one, I think, is the Quinn Snyder foul in the end zone. Um, and and we're not really going to talk too much about the refs. We can we can have that discussion, but I just kind of want to throw it out there that that was a pretty big shift in momentum where Quinn Snyder caught a goal that would have put the windchill up, I believe, two um, with with like about five minutes left in the game. He was called a foul. It. I'm sorry, I don't believe it was a foul. We we've watched the replays. The guy, I think it was Grant Lindsley, tripped over himself. A gesture to the ref it was kind of an ugly play whatever you know again we can we can go too much into that i think i think that was just one of about four instances at least four where like if it had gone the other way i think the windchill could have won that game almost without any doubt with, like, without even going into overtime you know like there were a couple stall counts or there was like there was one huck i think that sam berglund looked to maybe tanner barkas or someone that like it was maybe a questionable choice at the time, um, you know, but but yeah, kind of point being that I think the windchill really had it in the bag. And if it hadn't been for like just a couple things that, that could have shifted the game, they they would have won. And so it wasn't the way they were playing. You know, it was a, a couple snapshots. They were not playing by any means like they were ready to lose that game. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. I think there are a few... A few moments where we're just a little this got away from you know um and those those happen those happen in all all games and no different in the championship game um salt lake had moments like that too um it was it was a really close game it was a really exciting game it was a really good game um yeah i honestly do think it was a 50 50 and who was going to win in overtime and yeah um also i want to say a little bit about refs um nothing nothing bad you know there were missed calls, good calls. It happens in all pro sports. Um, but I do think AUDL has to have um, like a more clear ref guide or have something yeah. with integrity calls where players have to call them, where, you know, like make the refs better trained. That way mm-hmm. they aren't making those calls or have them have the ability to watch replay, which I know isn't available yet because of capabilities. I totally understand why they can't. Mm-hmm. Um, or it should be like if a player is asking for a foul and the ref didn't call it immediately, they should have to congregate. Something like that. 
Oh. Yeah. I I think that in especially in that specific circumstance, because there was only five minutes left, it was a semifinal game. They absolutely should have gotten together and talked about it. Um, and there were some calls that went the other way too. Like I think like Dylan DeClerc or someone had on the windshield got away with a foul too. And there are a couple who got away with stall counts and stuff like that. So by no means, again, was that the difference in the game and that Minnesota was at the short end of the stick and the refs were out to get them. But like, even in the Soul Empire game, there were just some weird, weird calls that, yeah, I think better preparation or a better support system for the refs uh, could go a long way, especially in a championship weekend environment. I have nothing else to add. Let's do awards. Sounds good. End of season player awards. All right. So rookie of the year. Okay. To me, feels pretty obvious. I think so. And let me just, let me just like quick remember who all was, were actually officially rookies. So I know we had Sam Borgland. We have Tanner Barkas. Tam Lacey. Um, Tam Lacey. Um, I think Will Casperson had played for Madison, so he's new to the team, but not new to the AUDL. Um, gosh, I feel bad if there are others. I mean, I'm sure there are others, but those are the three, honestly, who I think are our candidates for Rookie of the Year. Uh, Kane, I, mean, I think it's got to be Berglund, I feel like. Jay? He, yeah. Yeah, it's it's Berglund. Yeah, I think that's that's three for Berglund. He was yeah. very effective, not just in his polls. Like he had, he was tied for assists. Like, right, as your offensive handler. Like, if you're tied for assists with your offensive handler, clearly you're, you're doing something right. Handler. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right, what else we got? Most improved. Okay, I got an easy one for that one. Uh, I have I'm, one too. I'm gonna go with the other iceberg. Uh, I think I just I think Bert, especially in the first half of the season, he he really stepped it up. He made it big, but even throughout the second half, especially in the playoffs, like he was a very solid support uh, for the team. I think he definitely earns most most improved. Um, I would okay. I would personally go with uh, Tristan Manny Mortel. I think I, I mean he he made a big impact on O line. He had his perfect uh, handling game uh, in the postseason, and in just every game he played, he was great uh, as a target to receive to. Um, I think of the Berglund Tristan Vanny Mortel where it got tipped, and he had the second effort catch. You know, and that put Minnesota ahead, I believe, in that game. Oh, that so was like, that was Brett Bergmeyer. No, that's a different. Bert? That's a different oh, second effort. Okay. I'm, yeah, he also had one. Don't worry. Um, okay. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think Vanny Mortel takes takes it for me for most improved. I have nothing. Yeah, you summed it up perfectly. I agree with that one. Wait, to Jay or me? Jay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So most underrated. Oh, I'm gonna need a minute for this one. I should probably have the roster up. <laughs> I I probably should too, but I'm not going to because whatever. Um, I want to say. Vanny Mortel was also most underrated. I really do think that, like, I mean, top seven in my wins. Like, he'd be on my starting seven for sure. And I just don't know. If, like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, like, overall league-wise overrated. I think we all know just how good he is. But I think if you take a step back at the league as a whole, that he's underrated. So 
I'm a yeah, double dipping with the Vandemortel here. Jay? I gotta give it to Tanner Varkas for this one. Uh I mean he had he had second most blocks. He's only two fewer than Dylan DeClerc, who put up 18 blocks this season. Um, I mean, I'm not saying Minnesota obviously lost championship the semifinal, but you know who got the block to give him the break to start overtime? Tanner Barkas with the run through block. Tanner Barkas had, I, I believe, four goals in that game. Like Tanner Barkas is he doesn't get nearly enough credit because we give a lot to Dylan DeClerc, but Tanner Barkas is my go-to for most underrated. Nice. Valid. Valid. Yeah, that's a I I like that argument, honestly. I really hope he sticks around. I don't think I don't see a reason why he wouldn't, you know. I hope he's not just a transition, you know, made a an appearance in 2023 and we'll go somewhere else. But uh yeah, he was really fun to watch this year. <laughs> um for me, this might be controversial. I don't know if he's underrated, but I'm gonna say Colin Barry. Um, so I just I just looked at his stat line. And so I think to be fair, I think this includes playoffs. So it's, uh take this with a grain of salt. But 16 assists, 17 goals, and three blocks for a plus minus of 18. Like that's his highest in basically any of those categories since 2018. Like I know he was injured last year for a good chunk of the year, but like that's an insane line. Uh, and again, like even if you want to take out a good amount of that for playoffs, like him switching over to O-line and playing a leadership role, uh, like being a captain on the team, uh, I've got to imagine he's been pretty vocal and he's he's a he's a good leader off the field, but then on the field too. Like he plays where he needs to play. He has a pretty even spread of of goals and assists. Um, and a couple blocks like that's, I mean, only three, you can almost track that up to being at the right place at the right time, but still he, he did it. And so he's underrated in my book. Valid. Yeah. I don't think there was a, a wrong answer to that one. Um, I mean, like you could say Bevon. <laughs> yeah. Bevon's probably a wrong answer. <laughs> I don't think he's underrated, but yeah. Heard. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, who has the best celebration then? Um, Speaking of Bivon, um, no, that's a valid answer. Uh, I think for me, it's between Bivon and Tanner Marcus. Uh, the the dog bowl, Sully, like that. That takes. Oh man, that was so good. Um, it was. A, but it I was so disrespectful. It was awesome. Oh yeah, sorry. The cat, the cat, Sully. Um, but when when Bivon had that layout catch and the jump spike, I mean, just that the picture. I think it was Rich Mole who got the picture. Yeah. Oh man, that picture Bro, is looks just straight up like Mario. It's awesome. It's <laughs> yeah, like the it's perfect, good. like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's like one of like the best frisbee pictures you'll ever get. That's hundred yeah, percent. So well, and even even the layout going into it, it's like perfect picture, perfect, and then and then the Sally. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, if he was to get his own shoe brand, that would be the picture. You know, that's the, that's his Michael Jordan moment. So. Yeah, yeah. True. Yo, new pair of Bivons just dropped. That's kind of cool. That is pretty sweet. Bivon, get on this. Start making merch. Come also, get on this Bivon. podcast. <laughs> Sponsor if, us. If Bivon right. were a merch, what would he be? <laughs> um, a hat? He doesn't no. really wear hats. He'd be like a like a puffer jacket. No, no, he'd be compression leggings. Come on, guys. Yeah, okay, okay. He'd be like compression, compression pants. Yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, go ahead, Ken. No, I was either one of those two celebrations, Bivons or Tanner Barkas's. I feel like, or, yeah, I, I'm gonna go with Brandon Mattis's back foot. Like, it wasn't weirdly enough. I know it sounds really funny, it wasn't showy. Like, if you didn't see it, if you weren't watching it live, you missed it. You know, it was right. not drawn out um, and it wasn't necessarily like a huge play leading up to it. It was a good play, but not a huge play like Bivon's. 
Uh, but yeah, he just like pulled it out and was like, what? <laughs> so yeah. I'll go. And he, I'll like, go. he doesn't do it often. Like, I don't think he's ever done it before. Like uh, maybe not for years, but like, yeah. I forgot he did that. Like that's how, yeah. maybe, maybe most underrated Sully. Yeah, exactly. Season, so maybe we'll see it again next year. Yeah. Cool. Right. Best. Well, let's let's do an E uh, afterwards. So d- defensive player there. Uh, that one, I'm going to, I got to go. Oh, oh, there's a couple candidates. Um, You know what? I will go the obvious kind of basic answer, Dylan DeClerc. Uh, I think he just stepped up his game even more. Like every year he seems to figure out how to be even better. Like he's always good. And you're always like, yeah, he's always going to be good. But for him to just constantly get better. I'll get. I'm going to give it to him. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Dylan DeClerc. Just for the sake of all three of us not having the right answer, um, I'm gonna shout out like two more. I think Sam Berglund is definitely in the discussion. I feel like that's mm-hmm. uh, he. He played a huge role. Uh, I know we already talked about Tanner Barkas, but obviously he had a, a good chunk of playtime. And honestly, you, you can make a case for Paul Krennic honestly being the defensive player of the year. I think. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Yeah, and he played 61 defensive points, and he got seven blocks in those. So, you know what? Shout out PK. First time his name yeah. is being brought up right now. <laughs> so, yeah. Just the so we're criminal. not all saying Dylan DeClerc, because, like, obviously, yeah. It's, like, criminally late in the episode for PK's name to come up, but... Seriously. Who's PK? <laughs> Check He's out okay. episode seven of the Let's Chill podcast to find out more. <laughs> All right, opposite side of the disc, then offensive player of the year. Um, I'm not gonna say Josh Klain and I'm not gonna say Bivon because those are basic, but they probably both deserve it. Uh in that case, somebody else take my guest. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right in the sense that those two are obvious. I mean, you gotta give it to Bivon, I feel like, but also I'm gonna say JT. I'm gonna give him a little a little shout out on this one. Uh, looking at it, he had 19 goals, three blocks, and 12 assists with a plus-minus wow. of 21. So, solid season. I think he really played a, a big part on that O-line. Same with Vander Mortel. I think J.T. could also take that most underrated player spot. I really do think he's been yeah. a, a key part to the Minnesota win show this year. So, yeah. Jay? Um, give me one second. I gotta find the stats. I'm pretty sure I would give it to Will Brand. Um, oh really? I don't know how many games he played in, but it was uh, not that many. I'm I'm checking right now how many he played in. One, two, three, four, six. five, six. Yeah, he had six games, and then two in the postseason. So eight games total. Mm-hmm. Um, and three for the third most assists on the team. Like he he did amazing. Um. I mean, he he throws hammers like no one else, and I believe it was. I mean, Robin Fennig just recently posted on Twitter, or X now, about like people well, thinking it's, hammers. It's Twitter. We don't say X on the spot. Okay, I uh, recently posted on Twitter about uh like throwing hammers, you know, more regularly and not as this like last second out if they're the good look. And I think Brand has like no fear throwing a hammer forty yards. You know, like when it's I when I see him. Throw. Yeah, like he he doesn't he doesn't think anything wrong of it. He throws it all the time, mm-hmm. um, and it's awesome. Uh, he, I mean, forty yards. He threw. I think he had a one hook that was a hammer this season. So, guys, I'm switching my answer. By the way, 
for uh, most improved. Oh, uh, I'm going with Jordan Taylor. This dude had in 2022, he had nine goals. So in 2023, he scored 10 more goals in two more games. How many so, more points? No. But that's less impressive. than 50. Less wow. than 50. Yeah. So, yep. There's, there's, yeah, I'm sick with that. But that's a good choice. Yeah. Uh, Will Brennan for offensive player of the year is a solid bet. I like that. My, my offensive player of the year, I am actually going to go. I have a really hard time not picking Bivon. Uh, <laughs> Like he is, he is the Jeff Babbitt, the Ben Yacht of the team. Like he is that guy. I I think he's almost. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit because I think this is our next category. I think he's almost the MVP of the team as well. Like he had uh, 20 assists, 29 goals. Like he is everywhere, and he does everything. And again, like for MVP vote, because I'm I'll just show my hand now. We'll go to the next one. He's my MVP as well. Uh, I think being a captain, which he is, just adds yet another layer and another depth to your game and to your addition to the team. Like he is so valuable as a teammate, as a leader, and then again, he just as a goal scorer. You know, just uh, just the pure numbers on the field. Ivan is that guy. So for me, he's the offensive player of the year, and he's he's my MVP this year. I agree. I yeah, think, he, I think he's the MVP. Yeah. Uh, just to add on to that, because I mean, you summed it up pretty nicely, but he also brings a lot of energy and high, like, valuable play. If that makes sense, like he'll he'll you know rep it out, play the heavy possession game, but also when you're like, oh crap, we gotta like gut this point out, like we need something to happen. Yeah. He brings that energy. He can get something done. You know that massive layout he had. Like yep. when yep. when a point when a point starts to fall apart, he can bring that back together. So I, I really do think he's the MVP in that sense. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. Go ahead. Um there were there were throws during the semifinal game that Minnesota threw, and I was like, oh man, that's gonna be picked off. And then Bevon just like elevated. Yeah. Like there there was at least two where like there was one where he almost got fouled, but he came down with the disc. Like like he jumped up and over. I mean, it was. I think that was the sky of the game yeah. moment. His vertical is insane. Ah, uh, so you both know the our audience doesn't know my friend Dan Dan the man Latran, uh, my old old college roommate of mine, basically introduced me to the game of competitive ultimate. He plays ultimate, and he played in a tournament or a pickup game or something against Bivon. He had to guard Bivon. And Dan's pretty tall. I I would estimate he's probably 6'1 to 6'3, somewhere in there. And Bivon is probably about our height, about 5'7 to 5'8, relatively short. And Bivon Sky Dan, like, he has a huge vertical. It's crazy. And, like, you see it in all these highlights and all of his pictures and stuff. Like, he can get up there. So he, he is insane on the field. Also, Bivon's like, 5'10". Oh, 5'10". Okay, so he's he's taller than I gave him credit That's for. what they want you to think. That's what the scouts <laughs> want you to think. Yeah, he's real tall. He's <laughs> 5'10's tall. But, <laughs> no, it's it was cool, too, to see him on the field the day after the semifinal game, too, at the youth clinic. He and Dylan DeClerc, and again, I'll, I'll, I did confirm Noah Hansen was there. Uh, they were all in the field, like, teaching ultimate to kids in elementary school all the way up to high school, and, like, you know, I know that was something that they had signed up for probably months ago. Didn't 
you know, I didn't know what the outcome of the, what the game was going to be. So they had to show up anyway the next day. But, you know, the fact that they did, the fact that they even signed up in the first place and the fact that they were there, high energy, like they were running around with these kids, make like you could hear them on the field from up there just goofing off. And it was it was very wholesome. I just want to give them credit there and shout them out because that's not easy to do after probably one of the most heartbreaking losses of your career up to that point. So that was that was incredible to see. So much love to Noah Hansen, Bivon, and and Dylan DeClerc for doing that, making that special. Uh Leo, our nephew, who did that clinic, he was like starstruck. He was so he thought it was so cool to be able to be on the field with these guys. So that was really meaningful. Uh if you guys are listening to that to this now. Um, yeah. Okay. Our last, our last award category is the best moment overall in the 2023 season. Uh, I think there are a couple obvious ones, but I just want to, I don't know. Let's get get some ideas out there. I think, I think for me, uh, might have been. I I have two. I know that's kind of cheating. Um, I think it was when they came out onto the field. The windshield came out onto the field to get set up. Um, again, it was such a moment that was not special. It wasn't this big drawn out, here they come, but they were just simply walking on the field and the, the crowd was going crazy. Super cool. Uh, I think the other best moment for me was uh, later that game when Dylan Clark was waving that towel in front of us and we were just all going ham and like, that was so fun. It was electric and like, I can just see that clip being used forever now. I think um, I, I have two, one a bit more serious than the other. Um, the first one is like I don't remember what point it was, but Minnesota, it was uh I think it might have been Bevon catching it and then getting the quick like he skied someone and then a quick punch in to go up by a point and the crowd just erupted. And it was the moment you could tell, like every soul fan, every Empire fan, even Tread fans and all Minnesota fans were cheering for Minnesota at that moment because that was I mean, it was it was an amazing play, and just like the crowd was ecstatic, it was awesome. Um, and then the second was when an undisclosed representative of the wind chill was heckling uh, Empire players before the opening poll. Who may or may not have had a couple of drinks in them, and was <laughs> like, "You're washed, <laughs> your shoes untied." Yeah, okay, I think him telling Ryan Osgar that his shoe was untied might have been the funniest That's thing. The funniest thing I heard all day. <laughs> That was great. That was pretty sweet. We we won't we won't name them, but that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Shout out that person. Hey, if you're listening, get on the pod. Um, you know who you are. I think well, you guys said some pretty awesome ones at like championship weekend stuff. I wanna do just a highlight from the regular season, specifically for windchill talk. Um, I think it was a Pittsburgh game, but I remember we were there and this one guy came down. And introduced himself to us. And his name is Quinn. I don't know if you guys remember that, but he was wearing a Quinn Snyder jersey and everything. And he asked to like get a picture with us. And I think for me, that was the first time I realized that like this windshield talk could really turn into something like a community like that. And just kind of, I don't want to say bring the windshield community together, but give it, give it another way for it to interact. So I thought that was a really was, cool moment for me. For, for me, that moment was the first time I realized that other people listen to this. And this meant something to someone else other than us three. Yeah. I so, think also for me, that was, I think, wasn't that one of the only games all three of us were there for? I think we were only ever there yeah. for like two games. And then, oh, just, and then championship weekend. Yeah. And then yeah. championship weekend. So like that was also like a 
a great thanks game. So that yeah. was also a great hump. A great That's moment cool. because the three of us were together when the guy came, you know, when Quinn came. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're all cheering cheering tearing up at home, just know that we, we're very appreciative that you're all listening, especially to this one, because you know, there's obviously no games coming up to get excited for. So thank you. Did you have another moment? Oh, um, if not, that's okay. Probably just, when Snyder absolutely dunked on one of the guys from Indy. It was nasty. <laughs> it was yeah. nasty. He put him on yeah. a poster, sent him home, next day delivery and everything. It was great. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty sweet. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yep. The very last one, America's Indy, man. It was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. I, I think there were some some moments where, uh, I, when Colorado and the shred reposted the articles the, re- the preview articles that was those both of those are pretty cool moments for us yeah, yeah. I mean, for me because i wrote the articles but i think just okay. in general to have you know those two teams be like hey let's repost this this random website's articles so which by the way uh jay i did look back at the stats and i would say about 10 to 20 percent of the reads of both those articles came from the respective fan base cities and then there were a handful of random ones in like atlanta and like North Carolina, but yeah. So a good chunk from Minneapolis, Minnesota, a good chunk from Salt Lake during the Salt Lake preview and a good chunk from Colorado during the Colorado preview. So the fans actually read them. It wasn't just them reposting. So cool. Story. Nice. Epic. Well, it has been a season. Uh, you know, we've kind of said all we needed to say already. Uh, we are so incredibly grateful for everyone who is, has shown any sort of interest. Um, I do want to throw out that in the next week or two, I'm going to be sending out a survey to people. Um, we would love to get feedback. I know we're working on getting better mics. We're working on getting better content, but please, Kane's already got a better mic. He he heard the feedback loud and clear and is getting stuff. And but, now you can hear me loud and clear. <laughs> um, but but yeah, if, if you guys want to, if you ever see this this uh, survey come through your email or on social media, please take five minutes or less to fill it out. Just let us know how we can improve what we should keep doing, because what we should keep doing is important and what you want to see more and less of um, so that next year is going to be even better. Um, we are going to have some good off-season interviews. I don't know when or what or who yet, but definitely keep an eye on our uh, social media accounts because we'll be... We'll be getting some players here and there, um, and then we'll be back in 2024. Probably start ramping up regular content a month or two before the season, uh, official date TBD. But our season two will begin next year. We really hope that you're coming along again. Uh, this is this has been so incredibly fun for us. We can't wait to bring the R1P1 Network back. Uh, they they are hosting and presenting this episode as well. Check out their artwork for us. Um, what else, you guys? What else do you have to say to our fans or? players listening ciao um i got i got less of a succinct message but yeah just like jeff said thank you uh we appreciate that you're interacting with the content um that's one thing that we also really like is when we post a podcast or an article we love interacting with you guys too we want to hear what you have to say about it this isn't just for you guys to listen we want to have some back and forth so like we said you know we like it when you you come visit us at games and stuff so thank you for doing that uh i'm gonna be writing the ranking the jerseys article again so you guys can get ready to flame my opinions once more 
It also, it helps with the algorithm, uh, the thing that we know and love so much, especially on YouTube, uh, if you like and comment and share all that stuff. So, yeah. And our egos. And our egos, for sure. We can see numbers those numbers. go up makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, with, with winter coming and, and sad coming up, seasonal affective disorder is coming up real. We need all the boosts we can get. Help us cure our seasonal depression. Like, save, retweet, oh. <laughs> interact with us as long as possible. Share it on X. All right. All right, Stop. We, we, all right. <laughs> we gotta we gotta wrap this up. <laughs> all right. Well, again, like I said, this episode is presented by the R1P1 Network. We will be back at, uh, in an undisclosed amount of time with some off-season interviews and stuff. So keep checking back. Sign up for all of our updates on our website, windshieldtalk.com. Then you'll get it, all the content right to your inbox. You don't even have to check our social media. Um, in the meantime, of course, as off-season, stay chilly and ka Stay chilly, ka Stay chilly and ka